Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hope you all had a great holidays. We certainly did, for the most part. I ended up getting sick. Uh, My little cousin got me the worst Christmas gift ever in the form of a cold. And then I'm pretty sure I gave that cold to Lindsay. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure I got it from work. I don't know where I got it, but then I also got sick. (laughs) Well, I definitely gave it to my dad. Yeah. So he has the cold. So just before we kind of jump into things, we want to give our sincere condolences to the friends and family of those who lost their lives on the flight out of Tehran. Yeah. Which is awful. For those of you who don't know, a f- Ukrainian flight, uh, they don't know. Like everyone's saying different things. We won't go into that, but it. Fell out of the sky. Oh, no. Iran shot it down. They officially apologized. They did. Okay. So Iran accidentally, I guess, accidentally shot down a passenger flight out of Tehran. They released or, they released an official apology yesterday. Okay. So I guess I didn't hear about that. But yeah, I guess. And by that. yesterday, I mean January 10th. We're recording this on January 11th. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was shot down accidentally over Tehran. Uh, I believe it was 180 people were killed. Uh, 63 of those were from Canada and 30 of that 63 were from a community in Edmonton which is three hours north of us so obviously uh, I personally know people who lost friends in the crash Um, so uh, yeah it's horrific tragedy it should not have happened and uh, to those who are affected we're deeply sorry yeah. So with on that note, we're going to jump into things. Yeah, we wanted to do a live test of the Timbit cereal for this uh, other nonsense episode because reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't find it. Uh, so that was extremely disappointing. What the fuck, Tim Hortons? Yeah. I need Par- answers. Apparently one of the only places people know you can actually <laughs> get it is Costco. But neither of us have Costco memberships, and I wasn't going to bug my dad to meet us and and get it, so (laughs) it wasn't worth it. Also, I I don't know if we need that much. I imagine it comes in large boxes at Costco. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it could only go one way or the other, and either way, it would be entertaining. Which is the point, but so, you know. Stay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just we'll push that down the line. We'll do that another day. Um, so we're just going to... Also, uh, we failed with our uh, naming the modern leaders with their uh, adjective. Yeah, the uh, nicknaming thing was... That, that, fell, that fell apart. We'll also probably try and do that again another, uh, another time. Uh, still waiting on responses from you guys, so like... We, we had one response and I couldn't even read it for whatever reason. Weird. It wouldn't let me read it. It was dumb. I saw a bit of it. It was it was a Trump thing, huh. but I was like, I can't read it. So, so if anyone has any suggestions for those, uh, still send them to panhistoriapodcast at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll still check them out because we're still <laughs> going to do that episode. Uh, Absolutely. We just uh, we're kicking that down the road. Yeah. So we like other most of our other nonsense. We we didn't plan anything. I mean, I guess we could talk about what we did over the holidays a little bit. Mm, I worked. I didn't do anything. I don't have anything to report. <laughs> I went on the Polar Express. So I went to the North Pole, kind of. Um, uh, there, uh, the 
railroad that's between Statler and Big Valley every year around this time they do the Polar Express where they do the train ride and it goes to the quote unquote North Pole where you meet Santa and elves and they retell the story of the Polar Express the original story not the movie but they actually read the book uh, and you get hot chocolate which is actually pretty nice and they do the whole dance that they do from the from the movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, they do that dance. Um, and it's really... And then we sing Christmas carols. So it's it's a lot of fun for the little kids. I have two cousins that are... The, the eldest one is 20 years younger than me. So it's fun to see how much fun they have on this ride. But yeah, you could... Other than that, it's just... It's fun being on a train. That's fair. So, so yeah, and my mom was here for a couple of weeks, which was really nice. And then she uh, went to Quebec. So she obviously had a good time. But other than that, just spent a lot of time with family and ate my weight in chocolate. Everyone does. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. I actually tell us, what was your favorite thing you got for Christmas this year? Like just in the get, comments. I literally. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just like, saying in the comments. Tell <laughs> us what what you what was your favorite thing you got for Christmas this year. I know what your favorite thing you got for Christmas this year, mm-hmm. uh, the basketballs uh, for your cup. Oh, I got yeah. you. Obviously, I got Lindsay for those. <laughs> that of was one of the only actual items yeah. I got for Christmas, so it's <laughs> um, not hard to pick a favorite item. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know by this point, then you haven't been listening to anything. Lindsay's a big fan of basketball, so for Christmas this year, I got her uh, their metal balls that you put into glasses that uh, chill the glass without you know watering it down uh, and they're shaped like basketballs and they're called amaze balls they are pretty amaze balls that's like the only thing i actually got for christmas though for the most part i got like money or just like baking so yeah. i didn't really get anything uh Lynn, i guess technically i got this sweet couch yeah but. yeah the couch is we we moved the couch into her apartment today which is nice I think it's nice. I'm uh, curl up and sleep on it right now. And then for Christmas, Lindsay got me a uh, children cover your ears. She got me a pipe, <laughs> which is actually really cool. Have you and used I, it yet? I haven't used it yet because I've been sick. Oh, yeah. I, I, I said to Lindsay, I'm like, I really hope that I'm not sick. I'm better by New Year's Eve because I want to smoke this thing at midnight. And that didn't happen. I was still sick. So, yeah, the <sighs> cold just was the worst it was really bad they are they are terrible i seem to have gotten lucky it didn't really like truly set in for me because i i don't know why but I, you must not have gotten it from me then because no I, oh I, I didn't and I, I don't even know if i got it from someone at work because like the people at work who've had it had it for like 12 days but like i really wasn't that sick for very long it was just like a i think it was a near miss and so knock on wood <laughs> <laughs> now just, we're just coughing because it's dry as it's dry and cold as fuck yeah. right now um, it, I think it was minus 19 when I left the house this morning. Something uh, like that. And that's without the windshield. Pretty soon it's... it's felt like be, minus 27 when I... It's supposed to be minus 27 on Monday. Yeah. So no. probably by the time this comes out. But This morning it felt like minus 27 even though it was... Yeah, the windshield was minus 27. This week as you're listening to it, it's supposed to get like minus... Like around minus... Hover around minus 30. And in certain places in Alberta, because we're, we're undergoing what's called a polar vortex right now. So in some parts of Alberta, it's going to be like minus 40 
up uh, where my brother lives, it's going to be like around minus 45. So that's going to be bad. Yeah, so. Kevin. Kevin's not wild about this weather. He's definitely vowing to stay indoors and never leave. And uh, he's threatened me that if I ever try to take him outside in this cold, that he will revolt. Yeah, to be fair, his revolt would be easy to handle. He's not I, that big, but yeah, you know. But also, to be fair, by revolt, he means bite you in the face. Yes. Or chew your computer. But neither of which are options I'm interested in, so <laughs> I'll keep him inside. Kevin, again, he thinks he's tough, but like for his size. It's, it's, eh, eh. He punches above his weight, I guess. You know, like an, like there, you said, <laughs> that's, there's that idea that animals don't understand scale, like in terms of size. That's Kevin. Yeah, he's got small dinosaur syndrome. He's small. He's smarter than the other dinosaurs. He's got small dinosaur syndrome. Smarter than the average dinosaurs. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely still has small dinosaur syndrome. He likes to. He's got a bit of a bit of a compensation issue. The complex. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got some problems. Yeah, he does. But we still love him. We, we could probably he probably could use therapy, but you know it's more fun when he's off the rails. So. You see him sitting still in therapy. <sighs> yeah, he's more fun to. Just... I can see him. Actually, you know how I can see him. I can see him being like standoffish at first, and then by the end, he's bawling his eyes out about his um, father or something. Probably. Yeah. I never got to tell him I loved him. Before the meteor came down. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this, okay, here's a good segue. I mean, there's this shirt. There's this amazing shirt. Like, this is from way back in the day, but I hope it's still in print. And it's of, uh, it's of a T-Rex uh, looking up towards the sky with his, like, fists up. And there's a bunch of meteors falling down. And you see this, like, little gerbil running away. And the dinosaur saying... Save yourself, mammals. We shall fend off the asteroids. <laughs> Noble T-Rex. <laughs> it's, oh, I really want that shirt. My brother used to go on like these sites with all these ridiculous shirts. There was another yeah. one that was a black tea kettle, kettle and a black frying pan. And the tea kettle saying, what the fuck did you just call me? <laughs> <laughs> so it was weird, funny shit like that. My favorite like crazy teas were from Hipster Hitler like the <laughs> yeah. the comic um because in the co- i don't know for anyone who hasn't seen this it's a web comic from it's from a long time ago but uh it's still up and it's hilarious it's called hipster hitler and it's a satire of hitler but basically they made hitler out to be a hipster and so it's satirizing both hipsters and hitler and it's pretty funny and uh they, in the in the comic he always wears these crazy t-shirts and my favorite one was uh has a panda on a panzer tank and it says save the panzer um or there was like uh i survived the battle of the bulge at hans's house of luftwaffles wow (laughs) wow 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 yeah pastoria does not endorse hitler in any way shape or form if you try and say that we do and take this out of contents we will sue the fuck out of you i do endorse hipster hitler though because it's hilarious it's pretty funny uh and if anyone ever wants to buy me a save the panzer t-shirt i wouldn't (laughs) object she's looking at me just throwing that out there to you know listeners yeah um, speaking of like comics, random, random fan gifts. If yeah, you want to send in a save the Panzer t-shirt, yeah. I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> if, even if you send Kevin a small one, would you be mad? Probably not. Probably not. Um, speaking of like internet stuff, uh, one of my favorites right now is Awkward Yeti. I love Awkward. I've always loved Awkward Yeti. It's very true to form, but in a really funny way. I have an Awkward Yeti tattoo planned actually. Which one? The brain or the heart? Heart. Nice. Heart wearing uh, the Batman thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> with a cup of coffee saying Gotham needs me. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how like they're funny, but it's also they're funny because of they how hit home. they very much hit home. They hit home. They hit pretty close. Like, yeah, that's totally the the fight between my brain and my heart looks like. Yep. All the time. The other one that really hits home. Have you heard of Sarah Scribbles? Heard of it. Haven't really looked. Sarah Scribbles can hit close to home. I mean, I think more so for women. Probably. Uh. But honestly, there's a lot of like, especially with like anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Like it really hits close to home, but they're really funny as well. Um, yeah. I honestly, Sarah reminds me of my friend Danielle, mm. like a lot. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Um, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're just kind of rambling, but that's what other nonsense is all about. Yeah. Mostly we felt like we should probably release something because we've been been missing and we've kept saying we were going to record other nonsense and, uh, you know, why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, we were going to record before the New Year's and then I got sick, which is just not a good idea to record. No. Especially when you're like sniffling. Kind it's of no like fun when now. you're, it's no fun when you're sick. When you're coughing and <clears throat> sniffling. I wasn't sniffling that much when I was sick, but I definitely was coughing pretty bad. Yeah, it was a sinus issue for me more than anything. So, a lot of sniffling. Yeah, mine was a... Pretty sure it was a chest cold. But it sucked. As much as I'm bitching and moaning, my poor stepmother has been dealing with atypical bronchitis Oof. for the better half of two months now. Oof. And that's been... Yeah, so she's... Not, she's a trooper. I'll give her that. She's such a trooper. She always has been. So, hopefully you feel better by the time this comes out, Shelly. <laughs> Um, I that. <laughs> no, she won't. She won't. Unfortunately, but yeah. So, so other than Whoa. that, yeah. Fucking cold. Hopefully, you guys are staying warm. I know. My, I have a friend from Brazil who's. I've been. Sent, she's never seen snow in her life. So I've been sending her as much photos of snow as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, and th- I told Lindsay the story, and I'll tell you guys. Uh, I was saying to her, um, I just really give off heat. So me being in, in in like really hot situations is just awful because I'm already I'm already like warm blooded anyway like really warm blooded, and I was saying to her I said yeah I, I'd rather be cold than hot like I'm it's I'm like a furnace. <laughs> she texted me back saying what's a furnace? <laughs> and I was like okay yeah I guess you guys wouldn't need that. You wouldn't need a furnace down there. No air conditioning. Is definitely a requirement. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we could probably talk about the second half of our season. We could, yeah. It's um, basically going to be other than I think one episode. Uh, the rest of it's in Russia. Yeah. Except or, for well, yeah, the Soviet Union proper. Yeah, uh, there's the only other one is the, our first episode of the season is uh, about Mongolia. Yeah. And then. Oh, and then we're talking about Afghanistan, but that does really have to do with the Soviets. Yeah, the Soviet-Afghan war. Which are, what's your most, like, what episode are you the most excited about for our next, like, second half of the season? Chernobyl. I'm really that. looking forward to Chernobyl. There's still a lot of, like, misconceptions about Chernobyl, like... Well, yeah, I mean, um, obviously, because most of that information wasn't really even really, like, some of it's still classified. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like... <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a massive catastrophe and it was like a very dramatic situation, especially when it happened and after it happened. But 
the truth is not that many people died in the uh like in the immediate no it was mostly after no the uh, um, it's, like well, it's mostly to do with like radiation and stuff later yeah absolutely like we'll, we'll obviously get into more into that but there's literally no possible way to calculate how many deaths are a result of the aftermath because like um i mean cancer rates are could be from a variety of different issues it doesn't just have to be yeah. this one thing so they they'll never know but uh yeah so with that said like you guys need to go watch the uh hbo miniseries chernobyl because it is great it's almost like a horror movie watching it just because of how suspenseful it is but it's really really and also like but it's like the enemy is an is something that's unseen or in or um non-living Mm. that has no rhyme or reason that almost makes it scarier but yeah that one's gonna be a lot of fun to do what about you Mm, the soviet afghan war actually that or uh garbage heaven reagan a love story (laughs) (laughs) um no i think i'm actually most excited about the soviet afghan war it's something i've always been really fascinated by and i've like i mean obviously mentioned this a million times being like my or most of my areas of interest are to do with Russia and so I've done a lot like of looking into the Soviet Afghan war in the past and it's definitely something that not very many people are familiar with and uh I'm pretty excited to talk about that one because it's definitely a, a war that I think a lot of people have forgotten and there's a lot of parallels between like that war previous wars in Afghanistan and then the wars that we're currently fighting in Afghanistan there's which tons are, of parallels and which are pretty a direct result of well, they're all a direct result of one another. I know, but <laughs> I mean, I'm saying like the stuff, that, like the the situation we're seeing in Afghanistan today. Yeah. Probably, probably wouldn't be around the same if the intervention with the Soviets had happened. Uh, I mean, there's no way, real way of telling, but I. Still I mean, think I a think that would Afghanistan would be in a much different place if the British had never invaded in the first place. Well, yeah, so. absolutely. But I'm saying like. <laughs> I mean, definitely, like, yeah, like the, Af- like, the Soviet war, Afghan war, has a lot directly to do with, like, what we're seeing now. But I think, like, all of the Afghan wars are way more connected than people give them credit yeah, for. Yeah, well... It's more, it's more my point, that, like, yeah. I'm not going to say that, like, this connection's stronger than previous Afghan wars to the Soviet Afghan war. Yeah, and my point is kind of, like, I don't think we would have seen 9-11 happen if the Soviets hadn't mm, invaded. I disagree. You do? Yes. Because... The Soviets invading didn't really have a lot to do with, like, Middle Eastern hatred of America. No, but, it, but a <laughs> lot of, like, the resentment that uh, um, person who will not be named uh, had yeah. and his organization had was actually a direct result of the aftermath. Yeah. And also because, guess what, guys? The CIA gave them training. Yeah, but also... And weapons. The, I know. The reason I'm going to say that I disagree, though, is, like, I'm not denying that because that's those all those connections are obviously true. But I disagree because I think that the United States has done so much to destabilize the region regardless of the Soviet-Afghan war that, like, they were destabilizing that region long, even when the Soviets weren't invading. So, like, I think that all of that sentiment still existed. Oh. And I think that, like... Like, yeah, obviously the CIA contributed because they directly trained them. And then they provided... The, the thing that's, I, I guess, ironic, and we'll, I'll talk about it more then, but that's just funny about it is that we gave the Afghanis weapons to fight the Soviets, and then they're using those same weapons to fight the Americans mm. uh, later. But it's just like, 
I think it still would have happened. I think that something still would have happened. I still think that we would have gone to war in the Middle East, regardless of whether or not the Soviets ever had. Oh, I think something would have happened. I just don't think it would have been on the scale of I do. 9-11. I think, that the, I think like American interventionism and the general like escalations, like the things that were... I think there was things that were more of a direct cause than the Soviet-Afghan war that mean that it would have happened or something at least very similar would have happened, regardless of whether or not that war had happened. Yeah, okay. I... No, I'm not denying that there was still been a lot of resentment. I'm just saying, like, an yeah. event. A, an event. A, it's certainly important. I mean, I, I don't think you can, like, say... I just don't think you can say one way or another that it wouldn't have happened without it. Because, or like, I don't, I, I don't think you can say one way or another that 9-11 wouldn't have happened if the Soviet-Afghan war didn't happen. Because there's too many moving parts. <laughs> well, I mean, I still, think, I still think something would have happened. But, but, but again, I just don't know if it... I just don't think it would have been on that scale. But, I mean, that's a complete discussion we could have I mean, about it. Because but, I'm, like, why do you think the scale would have changed? Uh, be, mostly because, A, they wouldn't have had the same... They, were, they wouldn't have had the CIA training. They probably would have been... Um, like, uh, ironically, this region probably would have been a bit more stable. Well, it sense. would have, for sure. Yeah, but... it would have been, like, not saying a lot, like, like uh, thriving, exactly, but it would have been stable, uh, and also because I just don't think I don't want to say it would be purely stable. I'm pretty sure it would have been pretty unstable st- still, but more no, that's stable. yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also think that uh, uh, I also think like because that that whole him fighting like the people who fought who were veterans of that war uh, and the Mujahideen mm-hmm. went on to form like yeah, they formed the Taliban, and... the, the Taliban, Al Qaeda, yeah, ISIS, and whatnot. And because uh, I'm just thinking without. Have it without that happening, they wouldn't have had the same. Uh, how do I put it? They wouldn't have had the same, I guess, appeal and like status that they would have had before. So it would have been a lot more difficult to, for them to create something on such a huge scale and to get support on that big of a scale. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just like I watched a uh, like five or six part documentary on the history of Afghanistan, um, and it. Kind of like, honestly, to me, like, you could you can make the link between what's happening in Afghanistan now to more than just that event. Like, there's just so much more that, like, I, I agree, I guess. But at the same time, like, uh, the Mujahideen existed regardless of whether the Soviets were there. They existed before the Soviets invaded. They were just the force that fought them. Oh, no. I, and, I, like, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. It's just yeah. that... Without the, like, the... And I guess the other thing is, is that I think that Afghanistan was ripe for invasion in the 80s anyways. Or not the 80s, but, like, or when it was invaded. Like, I think that Afghanistan was going to be invaded by someone else anyway. I don't think, like, I I don't think that, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I definitely think, like, Afghanistan was... There's so much more involvement in the Middle East, I guess. I don't I don't want to, like... I feel like just by saying that, like, without the Afghan... Soviet-Afghan war, 9-11 wouldn't happen, kind of places blame on the Soviets in a weird way. Well, yeah, I'm just... I'm not necessarily blaming it on the Soviets. No, no, just no. I know whole... you're not blaming them, but, like, that's, that's like it, my thing. Is that... like, I don't want to put... Give them, honestly, that much credit. Yeah, like... but that war undoubtedly caused such a massive... It definitely led to a lot of shit. Yeah, sure. it caused such a massive kind of powder keg. Yeah. For, unfortunately, for that kind of... I mean, obviously, it wasn't the only... War. 
Well, no, <laughs> not, no. What, Afghanistan's not the only country that like harbored no. fundamentalists no. like that. I mean, especially since most of the training was actually done in Saudi Arabia. Anyway. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, um, I, I think like just, I, I just want to say like I I think the CIA like I I agree with you like I know the CIA trained them. I just mean that like I think that training is still so far separated from 9/11 in terms of like time. Oh well, I, I, <laughs> my whole point is not is not like training is just a small bit of that. My yeah. main part is that they wouldn't without that clout to like yeah that would, they wouldn't have had that like prestige about them like yeah. for people to like follow like they would have had followers but they wouldn't have like been gathering people from across the world because they didn't have that kind of prestige that they got from fighting in that war. Maybe that's my point. I guess. Do I think? Do but I, I still think they could have gotten prestige else, like other ways? Because well, like, I still think he, I still think the bombings of the U.S. embassies would yeah. have happened, like for sure. But I think, in terms of like a nine eleven like event in in an t- alternate timeline like this, yeah. I think it would would have been more on this like that kind of scale where maybe there would have been attacks in the United States. I think it's probable, but definitely I don't think that the that um, mm. planes would have been flown into the towers. I'm just that's just how I feel yeah. about it. I, I, I Something might have probably would have happened, but I think it would have been more on the scale of like more embassies would have like been bombed. The Cuban we're not naming <laughs> in so. particular was like charismatic of a leader enough that he would have found a way to gain that support. So like, I, I mean, I don't know that for sure, obviously. And yeah, obviously the, I'm not, I'm not like saying this with certainty. I, this no. is just how, what, what I think and yeah. what you think. So but I definitely, disagree i definitely think he i like specifically i guess 9-11 i don't know no, i i understand like, <laughs> no 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 i understand i just think what, like something yeah. on that scale still would have happened because i think that like honestly looking back on it now i mean i was way too young to understand it anyway when it happened but upon reflection and just like understanding the world as it's kind of unfolded as a result of all of this i i just feel like something along that line was kind of maybe not inevitable but like Something was gonna happen. It was gonna happen, and I I don't know. There's definitely like a I'm I, there's a ton of connections to the Soviet Afghan war for sure, but I I definitely think that regardless of that war, something was probably like yeah. I mean the sentiment still existed because like Iran. Oh no, absolutely. Been a thing. All yeah. of this stuff had already been a thing. Yeah. So but it was like, for all we know, it could have been from a completely different source. Source or whatnot. Also, it probably would have happened like either probably a bit later. I mean, it happened. part of my ignorance on this point is I don't actually know that much about. Well, I know a lot, but not like I. If you really wanted to figure out an alternate timeline, yeah, you have to spend a lot more time on like Bin Laden himself and everything else he did. Yeah. Before the war in Afghanistan, before yeah. Soviet, like before the Soviet war. No, uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like no, you have I know to spend a mean. lot more time on that to sort of maybe yeah. understand how things would have gone without that event. Yeah. And I mean, well, obviously we'll, we'll talk about him and yeah, no, I'm just like, well, we're, I'm just like, well, we're not, I mean, you could have said his name if you wanted to. <laughs> like, I just, I didn't, just, did, I, so. just didn't, I just didn't want to because it's like, well, it's not an episode around him. No, so, um, I don't know. No I definitely point. think like, I mean, he's dead now. So whatever. Thank God. Uh, uh, no, I definitely, I don't know. I think that, well, that's a, that's something we can kind of talk about in this episode. Like when you think about what ifs. Yeah. I mean, I do, I've said this before. I hate the idea that like history what ifs is a missing the thought point experiment. It's like, well, they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to think about. I like, don't always like like them because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I just don't have the mental energy for it. But depends. Like there are certain situations, I guess, yeah. I, that I, I think about it more. I don't really like, you know, 
Actually, I'm trying to think of an example now of something, of one of the questions, like one of those types of questions yeah. I don't like, but I can't now because I'm on the spot. But <laughs> there are a lot of like alternate history things where I'm like, meh, meh, meh. I'm it's definitely, fun to think about, I guess, but I also have to be motivated to think yeah, about it. Yeah, in terms of like thinking about it, I'm more interested in thinking about stuff that has happened in my lifetime. Yeah. Like one I, I think about a lot is uh, what if the war in Iraq never happened? So the one, the 2003 invasion current, in Iraq. Well, the current war. Yeah. yeah so like literally there probably, ISIS probably would not have existed mm. um, because as horrible as Saddam Hussein was, he kept those kinds of people out of Iraq and they actually hated him. Mm-hmm. Same in Iran, the, mm-hmm. the, those fundamentalist people, they hate Iran. I'm not saying Iran's great because Iran is pretty fucking bad. Um, but a, a funny thing is, is that probably a lot of these places get support from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So it's tough though with like, I find what ifs in our generation like that though also hard because there's still so much, especially with like the Middle East, because they're so tied to so many things yeah. from so long ago that and you also, can't. And also, I think you've said this before, it's just stuff that is still happening is really tough to. Um, analyze. Yeah, well, it's hard to know in the moment what's, like, how to properly understand it. Um, like, the best example is, you know, people who lived in the Enlightenment didn't really know they were living during the Enlightenment. Yeah. With the possible exception of Immanuel Kant, he was, like, the only smart, like, he honestly like, has writings that suggest he, he understood the time, like, the oh, times he, he was living. Yeah. And so, like, very few, obviously some people can. It's not like nobody understands. But generally people don't who lived during the Enlightenment didn't understand they were living during the Enlightenment. Yeah. It's only, you know, decades later that you look back and be like, oh, yes, this was the Enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a lot different now in the information age just because we are we have access to so much information. Absolutely. I think it's easier to understand, but I think that also makes it harder. Yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with you there. I also agree with you. You made a point of like, um, I think it was on the movie Patriot's Day where you're like, I feel that that movie was made a bit too soon. Oh, uh, uh, oh yeah, Patriots. It, it was made too soon yeah. uh, from the event that to, in yeah. order for us to properly understand it. Yeah. And I, I still, I thought that movie was good, but I, I do actually agree. Watched it. Yeah. So I, I will also say. Something. I personally say. <laughs> I heard but, it was better than the trailers made it look. Okay, but I, I, I'm, I, I would say that um, the movie was good, and mm-hmm. I thought it was for the most part done well, respectfully and well. Yeah. But you you also make a like you make yeah. a really really good point. Like I think the best examples are the movies we like. So during World War II, lots of movies about the war came out while the war was happening, and that was in large part because it's just good propaganda. Um, yeah, like really, but also because the film industry back then tended to do things more like you made movies as they. They just made more movies too. Yeah, and, they, and also like, it was different. It was if, different. But anyway, if you've seen these, like, also, like, I just want to bring this point yeah. up. If you, if you see these movies, it's like completely sensationalized. Well, yeah, and, like, they're propaganda. Glorified. But they're good, but they're they're propaganda. Eh, it depends <laughs> on what movie, of course, but yeah. They're entertaining, but they're yeah. propaganda. Unless and yeah, um, during Vietnam, though, you notice like there's only like two or three movies actually made about Vietnam during Vietnam. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, and, like, all the Vietnam movies that ended up being made were made at least, like, like the 80s. at least 10 years after yeah. it ended. And they were almost entirely made by former vets, but, or not almost entirely, but lots of them were. And the difference kind of there is just, like, people 
more properly and, and even like World War II movies now you compare like movies about World War II that were made long after World War II they're a lot more they're the ones we generally consider the good ones yeah because they had the time to look back and ingest all of it not just the information that's coming into you while it's happening so they have the, the ability to look back on the entirety of World War II and have all the context and understand like oh well all of these things you know, look back and even say, like, the Treaty of Versailles leads to a really down, big downturn in Germany, and that helps lead into, like, all of that context becomes so much more available to you because you have the ability to, like, step back, and all more of the information comes in, whereas, like, when it's happening in real time, you don't have all of the information, so you're kind of just going on gut reactions. I mean, that's, like, a really simplistic way of explaining it, but I think that that's generally why, like, we don't really fully understand events until, like, I want to say at least 10 years, but honestly, probably close to 20, closer to 20 no, I, after I agree, they really yeah. happen. I and absolutely agree. I feel like there's a really good reason why we still haven't, there's a couple good reasons why we still haven't seen any 9-11 movies or very many is one, because I think it's sort of a weirdly untouchable subject in the United States anyways. But two, I think also like it's still happening. All of the things that came out of 9-11 are still happening. And so we can't really fully understand the event, even though it's been 20 years because it's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> like all of the things that came out of 9-11 are still a thing. We're still in Iraq. We're still in Afghanistan. We're still dealing with those things. And so it's like, we can't even really fully under, it's such a weird event to grasp because it's like, it's, it's, it's 20 years in the past, but it's also still happening. Okay. You want to know something really weird? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, okay. it makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay. Um, one, one thing that's absolutely weird, this is kind of on the same subject, but completely different. It's kind of hard for Lindsay and I to grasp. There are literally people who are 18 years old who were born after 9-11 happened. Oh, it's the weirdest thing. So actually, my because my aunt, my aunt is a teacher. She's a drama teacher. And uh, every year on 9-11, she reads a book to her. So in the junior high I went to, uh, there's a, you're at your homeroom period, there's a 20-minute, like, you have to read for 20 minutes period. It's called DART, I think. Drop everything and read. Um, and on 9-11, she reads a book called The Day the World Came to Gander. And it's about how during 9-11, um, air traffic in the entirety of the United States was closed. And so flights that were crossing the Atlantic were all of a sudden having to be rerouted to airports. And a lot of them ended up in Gander, Newfoundland, which is a town of like a couple hundred people. It's tiny. Gander it's, it's, is tiny. It's small, yeah, but and, it has a pretty... But it has a big airport yeah. because of where it is situated on the North Atlantic. It's an emergency route, basically. Yeah. I watched a documentary recently on it's this, also, actually. Is it also a... Um, Former military? No, it's uh, that's not what I mean. It's like a transfer hub, isn't it? Not anymore. Not anymore? Okay. Uh, but it has big runways because it... Uh, in part because of where it's situated... Really, when you're crossing, planes used to have to stop <laughs> um, more for fuel. And uh, I, I also, there's a documentary on Crave, actually, about it. Yeah, that's a great documentary, Super actually. good. And they explained why Gander was chosen, and it had a lot to do with, uh, also for those of you who don't know, Crave is Canadian Netflix. Uh, we also still have Netflix, but Netflix doesn't love us in Canada, so. Anyway, yeah, so any, pretty much everyone ends up in Gander. And uh, it was really cool because people who were on one of the flights who were stuck in Gander were all like pretty high-end financial people who were trying to get back to New York and so they actually set up a scholarship fund 
and took like money and like donations from everybody who'd been stranded in Gander on different planes and set up this like fund to send like the kids of these people in Gander to like university and stuff and like give back to them because Gander is tiny and so there's nowhere for these people to stay they're just on planes and so the tire the everyone in the town boarded random people and so my aunt reads this book every year on 9-11 because yeah people who her students were not born they don't remember 9-11 they don't know what it is like they know what it is because it's talked about now in school but they don't they didn't experience it and so she reads that book because it's kind of like brings a human element to it and like it's home more, I think, because it's a cool story about it, not just the same old. Because I think now 9-11 is probably like all these old historical or these historical events we think of. It's like, you know, the play-by-play, like, plane crashes into blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, you, you, can, you can watch yeah. the whole thing on YouTube. You just, you know the play-by-play, but you don't really understand the, like, the feeling everybody had when it happened. Like, I remember it happening, and I was, like, in grade four or three or four. We were in grade, we would have been in grade, grade three. three. Yeah. Yeah. And I like vividly remember it and I vividly remember how I felt and vividly remember being really fucking confused and like not really understanding why the fuck planes were or planes are flying into buildings and like why yeah. these buildings are crashing and I was watching it while I ate breakfast like yeah, it was crazy well, and so it's just like it's kind of crazy because I I don't think like my parents always and my grandparents always talk about those like where were you when moments right you know when Kennedy yeah. got shot or yeah. when Canada beat Russia in 1972 and like I don't have very many moments of like that in my life but that's one of them. The big one of our generation is where were you at when 9-11? Yeah, 9-11. That's definitely yeah. the biggest well, one of and our like, generation. I think I've talked to you about this. Like my A good friend of mine, shout out Craig. Hi, Craig. Um, I feel like I've shouted him out before. But anyway. <laughs> uh, I've, I've shouted up Ryan. Pan Historia fan, also one of my closest friends. We've had this discussion a lot about, because uh, actually in relation to that movie class we took, um, it was a parallel history of America and Hollywood. I feel like I've talked about it before, but anyway. My teacher, Dr. Gorman, I love him, but he kind of went off on a bit of a tangent and was kind of ripping, like, in particular superhero movies. Um, and just the idea of, like, how movies now are so, like, big and blustery and there's not a lot of actual content all the time, but there's lots of cool graphics and shit. And there's, you know, franchises and, like, superhero movies are really a thing. And he was really kind of railing against it, but... Something that Craig and I have talked about a lot is we have kind of a theory <laughs> that in part, like these movies are so popular for our generation because I mean, the first Avengers is like, they're saving New York. We all watched a really traumatic event on TV happen in New York. And like, there's something comforting about someone will save us. <laughs> and like, we all have this kind of collective, like, I don't think we all think about it and I don't think it's very active and I don't think it, you know what I do think it probably affects our day-to-day lives in ways that we don't think about anymore because it is so normal but I feel like there's been a lasting effect on our generation from watching that even if it's just not immediately obvious yeah and that's a theory that we have I mean it's obviously a theory but it might sound insane but like it also kind of makes sense to me like we all we all watch this yeah I don't think it sounds insane at all it makes a lot of sense there's something comforting about knowing that like the Avengers are going to save New York or they're going you know like there's something comforting about that and like you know no one was able to when it actually happened yeah I mean obviously I mean there's other reasons why the movies are popular obviously but I think that there's a little bit of that that psychological aspect of it there's I I mean I think there's a lot of ways 9-11 probably has affected our lives that we don't even think about or know about yeah there's the, <laughs> the speaking of like even mar- in Canada we're yeah. not even in the same country that it happened in. Yes. there's definitely been impact on us in ways that we probably oh, yeah, don't even know absolutely speaking of like Marvel and 
one of the best. It's not the best, but one of the best uh, post 9-11 things. Because mm-hmm. I remember when it happened, a lot of people were like, actually, a lot of television shows were on hiatus yeah. for sweeps. And I remember one of the things I remember a lot about yeah. 9-11 is like captured in this one song that was written by this country artist kind of after it happened. And he basically like one of the lines is about like watching I Love Lucy reruns. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it really sticks in my mind because like TV was just canceled. Well, it <laughs> like, was, it, they, they, all, all these shows had already been on hiatus because it was that, it was, it was mid-season. It was mid-season break yeah. anyway. And, uh, and then the, like a lot of them just kind of stopped because they're like, well, we don't, like I remember South well, it was, Park. It was early in the season because it was in September. And so like most yeah. primetime shows aren't quite back or like almost back. So they probably just went on a longer hiatus, I think is what. Yeah. Some. Yes. Then, uh, yeah. Quite a bit. And uh, one of the, uh, but uh, Marvel came out with a special Spider-Man comic mm-hmm. where uh, you don't see the actual text happen, but you see the aftermath and you see how Spider-Man deals with it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's like it made it made me tear up because there's a lot of like very mm-hmm. gut wrenching moments in mm-hmm. it, but like it's just him like he with he it starts with him like seeing the the aftermath of the towers coming down and you just see the smoke all over Manhattan mm-hmm. and he's and he's just like he's freaking Spider-Man and he, even he's like Whoa. what do I do like yeah. what the hell do I do yeah. and he like uh, the rest of the story is him down at Ground Zero mm-hmm. helping like helping with a bunch of other mm-hmm. uh, heroes and even vil- certain villains come mm-hmm. down to help to help yeah yeah uh, but the like the one the main message of the story is like the real superheroes that were here that day were, were the, first, the responders. first responders who ran in. Yeah. I Spider-Man didn't run in. Wolverine didn't run in. They helped in the aftermath, but these guys went yeah. straight on head in. And uh, so I thought that was, it was a really nice reminder. It's like, like mm-hmm. it's not saying, it's it's like going against that argument that we shouldn't like talk about, like, like have superheroes like that because it's fiction. Mm-hmm. But and it's a good balance of like, it's good to have like superheroes in well, fiction and it's but it's also good to remember like who... the thing about marvel is like marvel in particular more than dc ever was like marvel really is rooted in real life things i mean like iron man is a cold warrior like yeah <laughs> and like uh i in my undergrad i did the ph so my, my university did um an undergraduate research conference in philosophy history and politics it was called the php conference and uh we had a couple of presentations on like Cold War representations in Marvel comics because they're there, yeah. <laughs> they're very real and they're very obvious. Um, DC didn't do as much like that, but that's also why I've preferred Marvel generally is that I think that Stanley always had an appreciation for like context and like even though it's fiction, it's still it's still commenting on real things. And I think like for me personally that's the fiction i like the most yeah like even if it is really really like fictional like super like i don't really like fantasy and stuff like that for the most part um just because it's not my style but i still appreciate super fictionalized things like that being able to touch on real events and real ideas and like discussions and like larger questions of you know whatever yeah but and i mean I, I appreciate those types of things what and what better in just like what better company to do it than like to touch on that kind of subject than marvel yeah 
Absolutely. Like most of their superheroes are based out of New York. Not some fictional city in the like in a made up state in the States. No. It's set in New York. Like this is these are this is where these people live and grew up and everything. So like what better company to have some commentary on such a massive tragedy than Marvel really. Yeah. Like in, in terms of the medium of comic comic books. No, absolutely. Um personally my favorite uh uh, comic book uh, it's a graphic my favorite graphic novel that's about like 9-11 and the aftermath and everything is called In the Shadow of No Towers mm -hmm. it's the same guy who wrote and uh, penned Mouse oh yeah it is so mouse. good I love Mouse but I love In the Shadow of No Towers okay. a lot better it's a bit it. surrealist yep. a lot more surrealist than Mouse's which if you can believe uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean the it's it's the comic book, like in Mouse, Mouse is kind of a autobiographical in a way, but it's so it is yeah, but so is uh, in the Shadow of No Towers because this is like he basically uh, pens what what was going through his mind mm -hmm. when this was happening. Um, the Rising by Bruce Springsteen was written <laughs> on 9/11 as he was coming over the bridge from New Jersey into New York, and it was about seeing the smoke rising. Well, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Witnessed, uh, witnessed the second plane hit the tower while he was on his way to his job at Cartoon Network on the ferry. Yeah. And he says that was the moment that he realized he hated what he was doing. Yeah. And uh, the reason why My Chemical Romance became a band. Huh. He actually apparently went home and wrote the first song. After that? Um, yeah, called, uh, Skylines and Turnstiles mm -hmm. was the first song he ever wrote uh, for My Chemical Romance. So it's interesting, like yeah. fan, like stuff that we're fans. Well, of, and like, like and and yeah, well, that's just it, right? Like that's I think kind of I guess like the my like larger point is like it's like impacted our lives in so many little ways that we don't really even know about, like mm -hmm. because it, it's like a chain reaction, right? It's caused it caused Gerard to go write that song, and then My Chemical Romance became a thing, right? Yep. Like it it triggered all these like little things and. Um, and it's also still happening, so it's still yeah. hard to grasp. Like, it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's, 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 it's a really anomalous event in that kind yeah, of Yeah, it's too. undeniable to know that that event triggered a lot of negativity. Yeah. A lot of bad things happened in the afternoon. But a lot afternoon. of good things also but, happened. Yeah, a lot of really good things. I mean, it was... I mean, stories like Gander, honestly, just make you as a human being yeah, be like, just people don't suck. Like ra Random people showing... Like, people who had press passes going down to Ground Zero, not to cover it, but no, to, to help. To help. Like, yeah. Um, there's actually, I think I posted this uh, documentary on mm -hmm. on Panastoria. It is on 9/11. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I think it's called 9/11, but it was these two French brothers were doing a. No, you, I just meant you posted it on 9/11. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, these two uh, French brothers uh, were documenting a proba probational firefighter, so a proby as mm -hmm. known as in New York. From when he graduates and then his first, I think, month or two months in the station. Mm -hmm. And his first month, 9-11 happened. Ugh. And his house, of course, the entire house, like they were out on a call of a gas leak. Yeah. And he caught the only known footage of the first plane hitting the tower. Wow. While they were on that, um, that, that leak. Wow. And of course, of course, they dropped everything and went straight down. Cool. Yeah. I think they were the first, first, first house to respond. 
Um, and I think they were actually one of the few houses where every single one of their guys made it back. Nice. Um, one of my favorite stories is that Steve Buscemi was a firefighter and like... He went back to his old house. He went back house, to his yeah. old house to help them. Yeah. Uh, it's always made him one of my favorite actors is just like knowing that like that's really... I just think that's cool. Yeah. Like, That's the thing in the documentary they talk about is a lot of guys who are like... Uh, like I basically they called... Everyone. Everyone who was off, they were they were called back to the house. Yeah. And so the probie was actually back at the house calling everybody saying, look, you need to get down here and get geared up. We're calling everyone back. And like people are just showing up like yeah. who haven't even been called. And one of the interesting things is one of the a chief who had who was at that house who had retired, like I think they said five years before, showed up and was like, yeah, let's go. Let's, we're getting to work. Like yeah. this is what we're doing. And um yeah, just so like a lot of people who like a lot of retired firefighters or volunteer firefighters, mm-hmm. volunteer police and everything just showed up. And it's like kind of cool because, well, not really cool, I guess. I don't know. Um, cool is not a good word to use in this context. It's a weird <laughs> word to use, but yeah. Um, so both of my uncles, uh, my mom's brothers were firefighters. Well, they're both retired firefighters now, but during 9-11, they were actually both still firefighters. One of them worked at, was it an airport firefighter? Mm-hmm. Um, the other was actually like a station house. And uh, I think what was like interesting to see is um, just the, the, the camaraderie between like first responders all over the world. Like it doesn't really matter like that this happened in the United States, but you know, firefighters and I actually think firefighters from some firefighters and like people from Canada like went down to oh, help. Oh, they did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They did. Lots went down to help in the recovery efforts. But it was just interesting and kind of neat to see like the effect it also had on like people up here and sort of, I don't know, just seeing that like that brotherhood was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, well, there's, they still have that, I think they still have that sign over the Detroit, the, the bridge yeah. between Detroit and Windsor that says United We Stand and it has yeah. the Canadian flag and the American yeah. flag. Um, it's, it's interesting too, to think about how 9-11's affected us in Canada as a whole, just generally, because it didn't happen on our turf, but we also all felt very deeply affected, probably more so than people in other countries. Like they, people in Europe probably were like, obviously shocked. It's a shocking event for the world. It's like, whoa. Considering how close, like. But I think the proximity to it just kind of rocks you a little bit more when you're like, yeah, that was in New York, but like. That's not that yeah, far. I mean, culturally, like, culturally we're, we're well. not all very different from each no. other. As much as we'd like to claim we are sometimes, it's not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing There's is There's obviously now, differences, but... I mean, obviously, the thing is now is, like, we... we, we I mean, this is, uh, this is just me speaking. We love Americans, but we hate your president. Yeah. Which is the same sentiment of a lot of places. I feel like that was yeah. the sentiment during Bush's years, too. So, yeah, hey. exactly. Um, but even, like, to Bush's credit, I think Bush... Bush handled it, it very well. Yeah. To be I mean, people give him... A, the war part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the actual... But the actual day. Situation, yeah. I mean, people give him um, shit for, like, not doing anything in the classroom. But it's like... What, what are you going to do? Well, okay. First of all, <laughs> you're with you, a bunch of school children. Gonna, you don't want to cause a panic. You're not going to panic children. And also, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. What else are you going to do? Like, do... I have to go and go straight to your bunker. No, I I think he did a, the right thing by just staying there, I making sure people were calm. Respect that one of his first moves after 9-11, like his first public speeches, took place outside a mosque because yeah. he wanted to try and like be clear, like this is not the average. This is this is a group of people who who really hated. This is a special group of people. This is not 
everyone. Yeah, and he um, made the, and he would made that different. Like he, he made, would say, he was very every clear all the time. time. Yeah, yeah. He would say we are not at war with so, the religion. We are at war with a fundamental group organization. <laughs> and I, I don't ever want to give him too much credit for anything, but I think he did well in that situation. And to be honest, as much as I definitely wish that the Iraq War and I mean Iraq is different. Um, Afghanistan had never happened. Canada still went to that war because we felt that it was justified. And yeah. who's to say that if I was in George Bush's position, that I would have acted any differently? Exactly, yeah. Because you can't say that you would act differently in a tragic situation like that as the head of state because you're not, you weren't there. You don't know. No one else knows. Like, there are very few people in the world who have ever experienced something like that. So, like, as much as I definitely don't agree with as war is bad and blah, 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 like everything. I don't necessarily support the war. I support soldiers. I don't support yeah. wars. But I also want to always sometimes put that caveat of like, who's to say that I would have acted differently if I was the president in that moment? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I wouldn't have acted any different. I can say that I would act differently, but I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. really know. And, um, I, that's always important. I think to remember sometimes like, not all, I mean, all the t- there's lots of times where I'm like, no, I would act differently. That's a dumb move. Fuck you. But there's yeah. also like lots of situations like that where I think it's. <laughs> no, no, I don't I, know. Yeah, I, get, I know exactly what you mean. Also, I realize it's, I just gestured heavily and that doesn't translate well on this medium. Yeah, but. <laughs> there's a lot of criticism. Like there's a lot of legitimate criticisms against Bush. Him <laughs> doing what he did in that classroom is not one of them. No, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of the things he did immediately after I no criticism like yeah and the he had think he handled the aftermath quite well i think a lot of people in like in his now hurricane of... katrina definitely fucked that one up oh yeah 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 <laughs> no credit given there yeah absolutely but um yeah i don't know it's can you imagine having two tragedies of that scale happen in your presidency yeah i, I know what you mean <laughs> holy yeah. shit it's oh can you believe that we that Afghan- and like, within four years of each other. The Americans have been in Afghanistan longer than the Vietnam War and the World War II combined. Like, I'm, yeah. Well, Canada was there a long time, too. Yeah. Though. We only pulled out officially, like... Yeah, well, my friend John... when A few he jo- years ago? When my friend John joined the army, he was training to go to Afghanistan, yeah. and he was, like, kind of terrified. Yeah. But he's like, I knew what I signed up for, but it's still well, scary. When and then, I was um, going to, to my doing my undergrad, like my goal was to go to law school, and I, at that point, I was like pretty convinced I was going to go the military route because they pay for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was also interested in it anyways. But the pro, like I had mentioned that to a professor, and he actually did like bring it up. He's like, you know that like you might get sent to Afghanistan, and I was like, yep, like that's legitimate. That's the thing yeah. in my mind. That's I mean, by the time brain. by the time you were. By the time you get there, it would yeah. Because by the time John had uh, passed boot or basic, yeah, they don't call it boot camp. I hate it when you call it boot camp. <laughs> um, but when he, when he passed basic, they were like, like he was getting ready to pass basic. And they were basically like, yeah, we're already pulling people out, so we're not going to send you. And he was just like, oh, thank God. Yeah. No, he just got sent to Cyprus uh, and the Congo instead. I bring how up long, How long have we officially been out of Afghanistan, though? Uh, I think it's only been... We, we officially pulled out in 2010, 2011. We still had advisors there, but it's, like, rather recent that we... Like... I thought we had more there, like, longer than that, though, because that's... I no. thought that we didn't... I thought we didn't officially pull out till closer to 2014. No. Okay. No, it was like... I think we pulled out... I'm, I'm pretty sure we did, because... I'm looking at the official timeline Yeah, no right worries. Now. 
Uh, it's weird the time the time frame. I know. I think the last the last troops left in 2014, but I think like <clears throat> the, the Canadian flag was lowered for the last time in 2014 in Afghanistan. Okay. But what I can't tell. <laughs> I think our main mission was done around 2010, 2011. Because that's why John wasn't sent over there. Um, so Operation Athena was Canada's contribution of peace support and combat forces in Afghanistan from July 20, or 2003 to December 2011. But then after that, there was... Um, a couple other options. It was like, like a more, those were more of a support. Then there was like yeah. Operation Attention and Operation something else. There were more, those were more support roles. Yeah, so. they were more support roles. So yeah. yeah, I guess we did leave in 2011. Yeah. But I think we still like, I think the support roles we had were still like the numbers we had overseas were still pretty yeah, significant. Yeah, it was significant, but they just, like, it just doesn't, they, they it wasn't, wasn't like, we weren't uh, at the at front lines of things. No. We, we were like letting the Afghans take the reins and we basically, they would only step in if like stuff was mm-hmm. about to get really, but really. We had a lot of personnel still there, though. Oh yeah, we definitely like, did. But that's that's more what I meant. Like yeah. I think even though we'd mostly pulled out, there's still a lot of people there. It wasn't. Yeah, the combat role had officially ended. Yeah, um, but I don't think the force actually really dwindled that much. No, significantly, yeah. But and again, like their rules but of engagement. Changed. The rules of engagement definitely changed, but I don't think like I know the numbers like definitely dwindled but i think we still had a pretty large presence because i just remember having a pretty large presence for a long time like in those years because there was still lots of uh discussion of people going over and stuff have you seen the vice documentary this is what winning looks like no you gotta watch that documentary um it's about uh like like like, it's from a few years ago but it's like detailing the Mm -hmm. the next phase in afghanistan yeah where they're like okay we're not we're just training and like observing we're not um we're not going to be at the forefront anymore and it's mm-hmm. like how kind of big of a cluster fuck it is yeah yeah um so it's really sad to see but then you also get like moments of hope because you see like commanding officers who are really 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 like disciplining their troops and like mm-hmm. making sure they're doing what they're doing what they need to do and like yeah. being safe and everything like that so uh you see stuff like that but and like the, uh one of the main things is they're cleaning clearing uh ieds from a village and they cleared i think they said they cleared four in an hour which is like amazing yeah um <laughs> and at one point they were kind of like they're ahead of schedule and they see there's a white flag on the top of a tree mm-hmm. That's not a flag of surrender. That's the Taliban flag. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, we, like the the, lead, the commanding officer is like, I want that flag gone. Yeah. Like, I want that. So they're talking about maybe blowing up the tree. They're <laughs> like, well, we might, we have some extra explosives. Maybe we'll just blow up the tree. But then one of his uh, soldiers is like, no, I can all climb. Climb, all climb. <laughs> <Just> climb <laughs> climbs, climbs all the way up and grabs this flag. And he's like waving it around because he's like, yeah. suckers. Um, shit, Taliban. Pretty much. But it's interesting to see like the um the this weird uh shift of like there are these people who are really not doing a good job yeah and then there are these people on the front lines doing an awesome job uh i think consistency in that type of thing is always yeah the guy the guy who made the documentary said the people who are stationed in kabul Mm -hmm. are the ones that really like the politicians the one are the ones that really want to get shit done the local 
leaders, um, leaders like the local elected motivated. leaders. No, no, no. no. They're oh. also super motivated. Oh, yeah. But it's people like on the military bases, like the less officers. Motivated. They're way less. Like they keep on being, they keep on disappearing on Hajj for like weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like, like they know it's just an excuse for them not to do work and whatnot. I'll just, I'll post the documentary on on the Facebook page because it's, it's on YouTube for free. Uh, it's, it's Vice. It's mostly him giving commentary on what's going on. Like he's kind of being interviewed by one of the Vice guys. But he's one of my favorite documentarians. Um, it's this British guy. I can't remember. His, ben Anderson, I believe. Hmm. He's really great. He does a lot of like war, cool. combat journalism and whatnot. But yeah. Vice, so, does, Vice does some good ones. Yeah. And he's done a, quite a few things. They're, for doc, they're doc on the fentanyl crisis oh here yeah here really in good. calgary is amazing mm-hmm. so good it's super heartbreaking it's but it's a good I, documentary yeah for people who are not from here the fentanyl not from north america really it's a north america problem it's a north america problem <laughs> but there is a really significant problem but it's 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 bad here too i guess it's, like the blood reserve yeah. for the blood reserve is the largest reserve in canada not by population but by area, area yeah. they have been on a state of they the their council They've been I in guess a state the, of emergency for like five years. Yeah, because of, of fentanyl, of fentanyl and op, like opiates. opiates in general. Um, it's, it's awful. The worst in Canada, probably in Vancouver, just because that's where the all of it's coming in. Like oh, through, absolutely, it's all yeah. coming in through Vancouver because it's all being so. In the United States, it's different. Like the fentanyl issue is a little bit. It's coming from elsewhere, whereas like in Canada, our biggest issue is that it's mostly coming from China. And it's hard to stop because it's being mailed over and there's like limitations on how you can check mail or something. I watched a documentary on it. Yeah. I think they talked I, about it actually yeah. in that documentary was about how like how so much of it was getting in is because it's a, such a small amount like fine powder. They can mail it in like a letter envelope and it's a lot oh, easier. Yeah, to... you, can, you can literally like they what they do. They do this with like powdered heroin as well yeah, as yeah, you yeah. Um, you iron it down so yeah. Like fine. smooth and fine, yeah. that it can like fit like flat between two pieces of paper and yeah. a letter. Yeah, it's, and so they can't, and there's like rules they can't like search, like searching letters is harder than packages. Yeah, there's a, and that's why they do it is so that it's to, to it's easier to get away with, and uh, so it's. I watched a actually W five did a really good documentary. <laughs> it's like a local news. It's not something you usually No, <laughs> I normally wouldn't give them that. They've done a few decent ones. Uh, They're a good station. It's just that I just wouldn't have expected them to they've do They've done like, WC, yeah, like CTV, yeah. But like W5 is actually like, it's their documentary program. And like, they've done a few good ones, but I watched one actually where their main host um, followed a first responder in Vancouver on a mm. night. And it was actually like a uh, welfare check day. So uh, busiest, busiest night of the year. And like they have mash hospitals set up in Vancouver to deal with this. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> this, that reminds me. Did you ever get, have to watch this documentary in school called Through a Blue Lens? No. Let me know in the comments. of the, It's not ringing bells right now. Well, let me know in the comments if, if any of you had to watch this. It's probably only, it's definitely only a Canadian thing because uh, Through a Blue Lens is... It is a documentary. These two police officers from Vancouver just brought a camera with them to work and would film in the district because they were stationed in the uh, East Hastings district, which for those of you who don't know, unfortunately is a very impoverished area and there's a lot of drug activity in there. So they just film their day-to-day rounds like 
Uh, I feel like I probably did watch it. Possibly, yeah. I just don't remember. I probably just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, it was the first, like, most... It was, like, at the time, the most disturbing documentary I've ever seen. I've now seen way... Worse, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's definitely very jarring and kind of uh, eye-opening. But, yeah, like... And and it's weird because it's, like, you... you, you, Like, they know these people by name. Yeah. Like, their first name. Oh, yeah. Uh, and And the, like... It's like, yeah, we get along with these guys, like really well i think vancouver police for a long time have been kind of i mean i don't really want to say that on a broad level i don't know that much about vancouver police um but i imagine the they've been more in favor of harm reduction for a long time because it's been a problem there for a long time well honestly it makes their it makes their jobs easier easier. yeah but i mean they don't like having to lock these people they also understand that they're people (laughs) like they're not they they understand they understand um no, something I found really that, yeah, the W5 doc was really interesting because uh, he, so EMS there has like these smaller mobile units. So like one or two dudes will be in a, like one, a guy will be in a car, it's like a car and he has like first aid kit, like enough to basically like stabilize an overdose. They're, they're essentially like their only job is to go to overdose calls. Mm. And the idea is to try and limit um, to be more efficient with first responders so that you're not sending an ambulance to every single overdose because you can't in lots of cases because they're in like an alley or somewhere that's inaccessible for an, an ambulance or something anyways as well. And so it's to make it more efficient. And so he f- was with this guy basically in one of these little mobile, like small units. And they went through, they had 12 calls in like an hour for overdoses or something and like the first like the first hour he was on with this guy they had like 12 calls or something crazy and uh yeah no it's a shitty situation yeah <laughs> um yeah the, I, calgary's biggest issue in terms of crime is probably drugs. drug related yeah yeah i would um, say honestly most places because in canada like a lot of the violent crime is usually targeted like either gang related or domestic yeah i'm pretty sure up um, uh, up where my brother is i don't think it's number one but like one of them like one of the main issues up there is definitely drugs always. and not necessarily like that's every drug well actually it's probably meth no hmm. alcohol yeah up north yeah alcohol is more meth common. not so much hmm. meth is more like actually one of the, apparently one of the big areas that has a problem with meth is fort mac yeah it does which actually kind of makes sense. Um, the thing about <clears throat> meth that's super interesting is that like meth is primarily popular and associated with like small rural places. So like my town where I grew up is absolutely a meth town. A lot of meth in my town. It's not good. Um, there's been for a long time too. Um, like in high school, my town yeah. was a meth town. I've it's, always known it. But it's... then it's also popular on like there are a lot of like CEOs of the world who are meth heads because they can be awake for five days and do a lot like it's not like and I so the they're really cheesy and I generally don't love the the pro law enforcement side of these documentaries but the drugs inc documentaries are actually really interesting and good because they it was like a nat geo yeah yeah yeah, drugs inc I love drugs inc I don't generally like the pro law enforcement kind of side they like push a lot on it but I've learned a lot about drugs from that show. And yeah, the ones on meth, like they both follow like the people you associate with meth heads. But then yeah. 
nope, like business communities and like powerful people. And uh, it's almost like the new cocaine in that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because like... Depends on the country though. Wasn't like, cocaine like kind of the... It was, it was kind of the party business drug or am I wrong? It was like the Wall Street. It was a Wall Street drug. Yeah, party. but they did it. They yeah. didn't do it like for. No, it was the party. It wasn't it was for party, functioning. Yeah. Like, but the thing about methamphetamine is it's like the same as people who take like Adderall and stuff, right? It's it's an amphetamine. The idea is to focus, and it, it makes you focused. It makes you awake. Whereas cocaine is really just like woo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well there's. Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. There's so much that cocaine. scene. There's that scene. <laughs> well, the guy, the the real guy. And they actually talk. They actually do touch on this in the movie. They, there's an entire scene about it. He took so much quaaludes at one point that they almost made him paraplegic. Mm-hmm. Like, how many goddamn quaaludes do you have to take? Probably not that many, actually. I'm not even sure what I know. Quaaludes are like a, it's a pill. Yeah, it's um. I'm gonna. But to make to eat, to take so much that it's a it's a barbiturate. Is what it is. Uh, so. To take so much that you almost go paralyzed. Yeah. Like, good lord. Yeah. Also, just like watching that movie, you're just like, oh my god, how they sensationalized so much of it. Nope. Oh no. Like <laughs> he actually did sink his fucking yacht, his wife's yacht. Oh yeah. In the Mediterranean and had to be saved by the Italian Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, they did sensationalize a decent amount of it, but not they all, did. Well, not, but a lot of it was real. Yeah. Like, it's weird because I'm one of those people that come, came out of that movie thinking that the real Jordan Belford yeah. uh, is that she, it was a big piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he's still paying for it now. He, oh, yeah. Apparently, he has, he, he's having trouble uh, making ends meet because he still has to pay off. It's like, I don't know how many million dollars worth of, uh, res- no, um, restitution. Mm. And the only way he makes money is by uh, giving business seminars around the world. <laughs> Like at well, the end, of, like, wouldn't he, he? Wouldn't he at this point probably? Wouldn't he be making some sort of royalty on the movie? No, because it has to go to pay off his restitution. I guess. But Same I mean, with his book. But like the money is going towards that though. Yeah, like he's at least making money. Yeah, off but it he's to go still yeah, yeah, having yeah. issues. That's well, my point though. Like I that's mean, where the money's. Yeah, from. I mean yeah. he still and he still has to make like business. Uh, but like I, another thing is, if you remember at the end of the movie, he gets like he make he's making a talk where he's like sell me this pen mm-hmm. the guy who introduces uh the character that that, that um basically leo dicabrio yeah is the real jordan belford <laughs> that's the real guy that's crazy um and that's exactly what he does nowadays i mean he kind of talks about the book and whatnot but honestly it's just you kind of like watch the movie and you like read like there's i know some people are like oh man he was like really clever and i'm like yeah he was clever but He's also a, a piece of shit. scumbag. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the cleverest people are the biggest pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. They go hand in hand I sometimes. I have a lot of issues with, like, Wall Street. Oh, yeah. And whatnot. Don't but, we like, I mean, and to be fair, like, um, there, there are a lot of people, like, working legit in Wall Street who are... Fine. Um, I'm... Not evil. <laughs> <sighs> no, no, no. That's not what I mean. They're, oh. they're like, legit business people like oh, yeah. doing the same kind of shit that he's doing oh yeah but you know it's okay yeah oh yeah you notice how also it's always the people who want like regulations cut and whatnot always are the first to come bitching to uh what the white house wanting a, a bailout yeah oh yeah <laughs> so i'm just gonna point that 100%. out well so, it's sort of like the people who 
vote for certain governments are usually the first ones to cry when their jobs get. Yeah. <laughs> are they're usually the ones whose jobs get eliminated the first and then are pissed about it. Yeah. But they voted for it. Yeah, exactly. And it's they hard were... because I it's being smug isn't helpful in that case. No. I don't like being I know a lot of people who it's like, like voted. It's it's vaguely satisfying, but also you feel like a piece of shit after, so it's not worth being smug and it doesn't help the situation. Yeah, well I mean I know a lot of people who voted one way and now they uh are they regret it and they're remorseful and yeah. I'm like that's fine. Like, yeah, and that's okay. I get that. Because you're allowed to regret you're allowed to come around on what you did. Yeah. Um there's a different there's a difference though. Like there are some people who like basically maintain that like nope we still should have voted for them but also like oh man i'm out of a job and blah 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 and it's like they're related <laughs> those things are related yeah exactly. you did this to yourself like uh and again being smug isn't helpful in that situation but it does no, feel good i'm sometimes. never smug i am like privately okay I, but i don't I, ever say it to somebody because it's not helpful and it usually it's like a moment for me it's like usually i'm a big enough person to admit this so like it's yeah. It's a moment in my brain where I'm like, oh, sucks to suck. You did that to yourself, you fucking loser. But I'll never say it. <laughs> like, yeah. well, and, and at the end of the day, I still feel bad for that person because I also still know what it's like to be out of a job and whatever. Like, I get it. So I'm not ever going to say it and be smug to somebody. But like, I always, sometimes, not always, but I do have moments in my brain where I'm like, ugh. No, I, I get You what don't you, deserve yeah. to bitch right now. I do now. have my moments where I, I have said to people, and I'm just like, I can't really feel sorry for you. I really, yeah. like, I don't know what else I won't be expected. smug, but I can't be, I can't feel sorry yeah, for you. Like, like, I don't know what you expected, like, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, uh, so, <laughs> I mean, that's about the most yeah. that I'll get, but anyway. I definitely have had very smug moments, but, like, I just keep them to myself. Also, I get really sick of people saying that I, like, assuming I support Justin Trudeau, because I don't. Yeah. I, I think he's a jackass, but, and I never voted for him, so stop fucking telling me that I did. <laughs> it's, it's so annoying. Um, yeah, I've had people like, say, no, I didn't vote for him. I was like, did I, I vote never for him? voted for him. <laughs> never did. I, I, for a second, I was, I did in the first election because I legitimately thought it would be okay. I mean, I do uh, think a lot of the, the, shit people like the stuff people give me shit for is ridiculous yeah i'm overall um, fine like with it the beard like yeah. it's a fucking beard like get over yourselves i mean jesus christ disturbing um huh the amount of press that got was disturbing it was although the beaverton the beaverton's <laughs> oh, articles on that were but that's what gold. the beaverton is for oh yeah that's like the type of press, other people's that's like, the type of press that that stuff should get oh yeah yeah <laughs> like I point uh, like point like well, it's basically showing how stupid the, well, that's, the mainstream. That's what yeah. I mean, though. Is like that's the type of coverage events like that should get because it's satirical and funny. Like, yeah. and I also, don't want the ma- I don't want National Post fucking writing an op-ed about his beard. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Also, and I'll also give, spend your time on something more important, please. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I'll give them. I'll give people credit where credits due, even if I, abs- well, except maybe Hitler. Yeah. No, definitely accept Hitler. There's some limitations give, on... I will never give him credit for also anything. Also not going to give Stalin a lot of credit Stalin, for much. Stalin, like, not going to give Stalin. There are some exceptions uh, to the rule. Mussolini. Yeah. Uh, Ceausescu. If you're an objectively horrible person. A lot of people we've talked about on this guy. <laughs> um, but uh, um, like I'll, the, to give Trudeau credit with this whole business with the plane crash... Hmm. He sounds it very well. I was watching... I was... It was... CTV online, I guess, I think it was. Uh, he met with like a lot, like a huge group of the like, like it was kind of a town hall thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to say I, town hall because that's not the right yeah, word. Yeah, but I saw what it, it was. was uh, yeah, he it was, was kind of that format. Yeah, and um, he was speaking to like a father, and the father told him, "Was like my son always said, I want to be Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm. I just want to be." And um, Justin just cried. He cried and like <laughs> yeah. hugged, hugged this man. So I like, I res- the thing I like about Trudeau and everyone calls him soft and stuff, but honestly, I, he's human and I appreciate that because he shows those moments, and I like that. Yeah, I want my politicians to show humanity. Thank you. Yeah, even with like the whole unlike forty five. Yeah. yeah, even <sighs> like with the whole the whole brown face controversy, and I'm obviously not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not defending what he did. It was no wrong and disgusting. It is but impossible. to be fair, he came he out like he, he came it. out almost immediately and apologized. He owned it. Didn't make any excuses for it. Nope. Um, and I... he and he's and like even when someone said like a reporter said uh, like did you think wearing this makeup was wrong? He's like. First of all, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. It was brown face. Like he, yeah. he, he, he opened, he was open about it. And he, you know what? And like, honestly, like I was like one of the people that was like, you know what? Obviously what he did was wrong. It was yeah. disgusting. It shouldn't have been done, but he did a lot more than a lot of other. Um, and also like, even with that, he still has a better human rights record yeah. than the opposite. <laughs> the well, opposition. That was the thing about it that I found sort of like tough to, and it's hard as white people really. Like I, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but at least for me, like, I found it really hard when people were like, well, that's, I can't vote for him because that's indefensible. And I'm like, you're right, it is indefensible. But if you're going to also then vote for the opposition, his direct opposition who have, like, straight up racists in the party who say that stuff and are, like, out there with it all the time, like... How is that more defensible than that? Like, that's just an excuse for you. That's just another justification of why you're not voting for him and why you hate him. And that's not really valid. Like, because it... As it is valid, it's a real reason. But at the same time, like, if you're going to also then turn a blind eye to the things that the party you support are doing, it's like... Yeah, it's... it's what, well, it's, <laughs> it's like... It's just, it's just a weird line that I had a really hard time with. And... Um, I, I just know a few people that said stuff like that and I was like knowing how they vote I'm like but <laughs> what well people like ask me it's like how you, does... but then you also support straight up racist yeah. candidates well like, what? people ask me it's like how did this like affect your vote and I'm like it I wasn't did. voting for him anyway well, yeah, I wasn't voting for either of those guys no, anyway it didn't so it doesn't matter um, um it didn't even really change my opinion of him to be honest in a lot of ways because it didn't surprise me like in a you know what I mean like it just it not to say that it didn't surprise me because I think he's a huge racist or anything because they don't but it doesn't didn't surprise me in terms of like I would put money on the fact that most people his age probably have a photo like that somewhere uh or lots probably yeah or uh, well, maybe not his age but his age and a bit older yeah like costume parties definitely like just based on the number of people who still do blackface for costume parties like yeah. He's not alone. No. <laughs> you know, like... and I mean, he the only way the only the only way in which he's alone is he's apologized. Exactly. Like, and like he came out and he's like I no excuse, it was dumb, it was wrong. Yeah. And I mean, like the other thing is like uh, my friend Chris, his wife is uh his wife is mixed race, uh black and uh Hispanic. Mm-hmm. But and she said like basically the same thing. She's like, look, he's done way more than like anyone else would do. Like they would try to deny. Well, I mean, the conservatives still have a senator who straight up like 
had racist stuff about First Nations people on Isn't her. That woman. Yeah. Yeah. The, Senator Bayek. Yeah. She's ugh. still a senator. Yeah. Um, but like, the, like the, but yeah, she's like he did more than like yeah. a lot of other people did, and I appreciate that. Yeah, like that was kind of the general idea I got as well on like viewing like social media, and like I follow a lot of people of color, and I value their opinion on these matters. Like yeah. I am not going to speak for them, and that was generally the sentiment I got. And when they didn't feel that way, and they were truly abhorred, like I was like also like that's also valid because I can't claim offense in this case because it isn't a personal slight to me, yeah. and. I recognize, and I'm I'm offended by it for those people, but I'm not offended about it, and I'm, like, and I'm offended by it because it's a racist thing, and I'm offended by racism. But like, you know, I think you know what I get. It's hard to know, it's hard to word this because it's like I know what you mean. I don't think it's wrong. To, I'm a, I'm a white person. So yeah, like, I mean, I don't not... think it's necessarily wrong to, to for a white person to say no. they're disgusted by racism. No, it's disgusting. It's disgusting, and it is. But it's like I also am aware of the fact that like. Um, I have less of a right to comment sometimes on these issues. Yeah. Or should well, less? Uh, it depends. That's not the right way to put that, at all. I don't. Know. I know what you mean. I'm gonna but insert I, my foot in my mouth now. But... No, I know. I don't think it's <laughs> no, not no. at all. I think you're making a good point. It's. But it's like. It's just a recognition of where I stand. I guess is yeah, what I'm I trying mean, to be clear about. Like we've commented on some. Yeah. A lot on a lot of different su- subjects on this matter, and I think we have a right yeah, to do that absolutely. regardless. Um, I have no problem calling what he did racist, and I have no problem calling the current stance of the Canadian government uh, racist in lots of ways as well. Because, yeah. like, as regards to the international like treaties we've signed on, like the rights of First Nations people that we're not upholding in any way, yeah. and like we're actively fighting the UN on those things because we're it's easier for us to say like we it's easier for us to fight that than actually acknowledge that we're not doing what we should be doing. Yeah, and. So I have no problem saying that either. Like, I have, yeah, like, what he did was horrible, and he at least apologized for that. And I'm proud of him for that, and I respect that. Still also doing bad things. So yeah. If he had not, like... If he had not apologized he, in any way. If he had not apo- apologized, or if he, like, apologized but made up excuses and whatnot. Would have definitely changed my opinion. Yeah, but honestly, he's just, like... And I think, I think that's just ultimately what it comes down to for me, where I'm like, it didn't fundamentally change my opinion of him because it didn't really surprise me because I am certain that there's a whole bunch of white people his age and older who have the same photo somewhere else. He's just a public figure. Possibly. I think... I'm also pretty sure, like, I wouldn't be shocked if somewhere deep down that, like, I'm honestly surprised no one found a picture of Sheer. Yeah. But I imagine he didn't go to a lot of parties either, so... I hesitate... He doesn't seem cool enough. I hesitate to tell this story. Uh, oh, yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I, it had not, has nothing to do with me or anything like that. You're not going to find any pictures of me like that. And if you do, surprise, that's yeah, a I am proud to, to say me. that I have never, ever even thought about it. Like, I've never yeah. even considered it. Like, I've actually actively dressed up as people. Like, I dressed, when I was a kid, I dressed up as Scary Spice. Definitely yeah. did not have, like, like, never was even a conversation with my parents about trying. Like, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. just didn't. But, um, uh... <laughs> Uh, for, I, I also I had just, to wear a snowsuit, so I was like the whitest and most dressed up Scary Spice ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to clarify, it wasn't me, <coughs> and no, it does. It's not depicting anyone in my family. But there, I was uh, recently scanning photos uh, from like really old photos, and I'm pretty. This must be a photo from like the 40s or 50s. I don't know. Um, obviously, I did scan this. But I guess one of my, uh, I think, great uncles or grand uncles uh, uh, had a dog and that was in a dog show. 
and there are there are people in the in the dog show in blackface and i like of course i saw this picture and i'm just like uh, uh okay <laughs> and i'm like i feel rather uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> don't love this literally the only family member in that photo that like a member of my family that's in that yeah. photo is the dog <laughs> So I was just like... Hey, I mean, the dog had no part of that. <laughs> no, obviously. I'm not blaming the dog, obviously. But it's just weird to see. But, like, my uh, stepmom brought up a diff- uh, brought up a good point. It's like, you know what? It was a different time. It was a different time. But she's also like, the same time, doesn't mean that you need to feel any less... Like, doesn't make you feel any less com- uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And she's like, that's understandable. And I'm, but one of the jokes I made, because this was like literally right after the whole brown face thing, yeah. I find this photo and I'm just, and I like phoned my mom and told her about it. And I was just like, well, I guess I can kiss my political career goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the whole, like, it was a different time thing is just like, it's a hard line because it's like, I think it's most people want to use that as a justification. But I think like, it can both be a different time and still very unacceptable because oh. it was never acceptable. It's just, it was always racist. It was just accepted then. Yeah. Because it's, people it's, were more willing to be openly racist. Yeah. Like, I, no, no. And I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I know Absolutely you do. And I know your that. mom does too. I just um, meant like in general, the whole idea of like, it was a different time. Is well, more what I was yeah. Shelly definitely agrees. Like, like she said, yeah. Doesn't mean you don't have to feel any less comfortable. Yeah. And doesn't mean that it was ever right. No. But it was yeah, a different absolutely. time. Yeah. She, fe- she definitely totally. feels that way. But it's like, yeah. it was just so weird to find this. And, and I was just like, okay, that's the thing. And then, um, Man, we're pe- touching all the taboo topics yeah, today. Yeah, pe- People, <laughs> someone, was, someone was like, you're not going to, you're not going to, um, you're not going to scan that, are you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I, I, I've said to my mom, I think I should talk about this on the podcast because, like, this is just something that could pop up. I felt like writing a, uh, a blog post about it, but more about, like, like, kind of like it leads into something else. But it's like, imagine finding this amongst your, like, within. Go and for it. just like, okay. Like, and obviously I felt. Well, I think there's something about that idea of just like dealing with things in your family history that are uncomfortable. Yeah. But I mean, again, your case none is of those, funny. I, but... I can't emphasize it. No. None of those people are my family. Members. <laughs> your case is a little different because it's not really your family. No, no, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like the dealing with like uncomfortable thing in your family's history. Like when you come across it, it's like, um, yeah, I, I what? Love, <laughs> love the kind of, I like, honestly, if I find out something horrific in my family, I'm going to probably talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. I don't think we'll really find anything because, I mean, I come from a long line of farmers. I can yeah. confirm that members of my family were in the Dutch resistance, so I got that going for me. I can confirm that one of my family members was in, was uh, in the Austro-Hungarian army. Sick. Not during the First World War, but we were pretty sure we had family members fight for the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, in the first world war i mean that's when, not that's definitely not as taboo as like no. finding a bunch a bunch of people be different if they were nazis <laughs> it would be yeah <laughs> i mean uh i but, know i know people who's fam- who had family members in the wehrmacht mm, or the, the wehrmacht the the, the air the Luftwaffe. Like, no 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 the the oh, army like yeah the, the air yeah i think it's called well the wehrmacht is but they weren't nazis yeah they just were in the army um, and obviously i and honestly i believe people when they say yeah. The vast majority of Germans had no idea. Yeah. Of these atrocities going on, but. But lots did. 
and did nothing. Um, oh, no, absolutely. I, yeah, like, uh, so in 2009, I went to the Netherlands for the first time with my parents and my grandparents. And I have a lot of family there still that we, we know. Um, so my great-grandma, her cousin, actually also. So my great-grandma was named Nellie. And her cousin also named Nellie. Uh, they look really similar too. So like when we went there, we landed at like 6 a.m. In, in, or 7 a.m. in Amsterdam or something. It was super early. So we're all like exhausted, but we're just trying to stay awake. And we went to our relative's house at like noonish. And then I went and like was kind of with my second cousins who were like the same age as me, but also seven feet tall at the same time. And so that was terrifying because <laughs> the Dutch are extremely tall. And, and skinny. Yeah. They were huge. Like, they weren't skinny, but some of that was just to do with the fact that they were such physically large human beings that I don't think you can be, like, that skinny. Like, they just, they were probably skinny for their height. Like, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Like, they were huge. And I remember coming back to their house from, like, these basketball courts or whatever, and Nellie was there. And I, like, came in, and I actually, like, double, had to do, like, a double take because I first thought my great-grandma was there, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like... <laughs> where did you come from? Like, you did not come on this. And actually she had, I think she, actually, I think my great grandma had passed away like the year or two before. So it was definitely like a surreal, like what the fuck is happening moment. And goes to Christmas pass. Yeah. Like kind of, <laughs> kind of freaked because I was like jet lagged and tired. And so it just kind of like freaked me out. And, like again, introduced. I mean, and, like, yeah. Jet lagged. Yeah. I was like, well, I'd been awake since like, I don't know. I'd been awake for like 30 hours at this point yeah, because yeah. I'd flown from North America. And hadn't gone to bed yet. <laughs> and so I was like, what's happening? And then we like get introduced, like, you know, this is great grandma's cousin, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, that makes sense now. But, and you could tell, like, they were <laughs> definitely related. They looked a lot alike. Yeah. Um, she was, like, basically a taller, slightly, like, just, like, a taller version of my grandma, like, my great-grandma. But I found out that her husband had been in the Dutch resistance. And um, we talked about it because she actually was still receiving like a pension and stuff from the Dutch government because her husband had been part of the resistance. And so there was a, a, a program set up for the family and like people who had served in the resistance got like a pension and stuff when they retired and whatever. And then when they died, their family or their, their spouse, you know, how that transfers yeah. or whatever. But that's actually how I learned is because she was receiving a pension or something because of his participation in the resistance. So that was cool. That's really cool. Going back to, to like the whole kind of times of change kind of thing yeah that whole argument is like back in my day yeah it's like it's not your fucking day anymore is it like <laughs> well and i just have this like reticence to ever say something was better yeah because you know like, like it might have been better for you but it probably wasn't better for someone else like yeah when i say stuff like when when i say stuff like that yeah. and shelly says stuff like that it's like that was like it's more, it's an ex, like she yeah. says it as we, and I say it as an explanation. Oh, not totally. Excuse. <laughs> no, me too. And I, I, me too. And like my parents generally like, as well. Like, but I mean, I have this conversation with people all the time, like, and it honestly, boil it, it comes up a lot, mostly just in like conversations I have with people about sports because like, you know, my parents and I went to the hockey game, to the Flames game on the 29th to go see the Canucks and so my mom and I are Canucks fans and my dad's Flames fan. And uh, <laughs> we outnumbered him. Um, and we were talking about, because like my dad was kind of pissed at the refing because they called this really janky tripping call on the Flames. And it, to be fair, was kind of janky. Um, and my dad was like complaining about, you know, 
the like they call everything now whereas they used to like let them play a bit more and I was like yeah but also the game is harder to ref because the game got faster and like there's this argument essentially like old school hockey people are always like you know they don't hit as hard and it's not the same game but it's like the game is faster more skilled and more interesting now so it's kind of like funny to me this conversation this type of like back in my day conversation just comes up so much because people always seem to default to the thing that they grew up watching or liking and it's like but no, it's not necessarily better, you know? Like, it, it, it isn't necessarily better when you think back on it. Like, you know, hockey back then was kind of boring. There weren't a lot of goals scored because people were just, like, bludgeoning each other. Like, it's not as interesting. Yeah. So, like, that's it might have been better Some for you. Some people might have been more interesting. Might have been better for yeah. you, but who's to say that it was better for the rest of us? Because, like, frankly, I fucking love watching Connor McJesus. Like, <laughs> I hate the Oilers, and I will never cheer for the Oilers, and friends don't let friends cheer for the Oilers. <laughs> But, like, <laughs> he's talented. I can't deny that. He's really fucking good. Yeah. So, like, he's a generational talent like Wayne Gretzky was. So, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you can't say at the same time that you love watching him and that the game used to be better because someone like Connor McDavid would not have survived in that type of age. Well, no, the team just would have had a lot of enforcers. <laughs> just like Gretzky had, but, you know. Should we call this episode taboo something another other nonsense? Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really hope that people. <laughs> Taboo topics. I really, really, like, I am kind of afraid of, I, I'm not <laughs> afraid of telling that story, but I think I have to because I think if what, you're the willing fo- the to. the photo? Yeah, oh, about yeah. the photo. Because I think if you're willing to admit. I think it's funny. Something like that in your, in your family, like something like that's in your family. I think uh, you're a better person for it. I mean, if, if I were to fucking find out. Uh, I, we won't because I don't like we won't. Yeah. If we were out to find out, like say, fam, I had family members who owned slaves, I would talk about it because I'm too. just like you know what, I'm not I, I I can be ashamed of this. You know but what I'm I, not gonna hide it. What I would do, I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about this in a very strange. I don't know why. Uh, my brain is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time thinking about a lot of random shit. But something I would do if I, and I imagine there probably have been people who did this, I don't really know, but um, if I found out that my family had owned slaves and there was actually like a lot of, and I guess I would do this specifically if my family had like still like the, the property that they had, like if they still had the plantation home and like that kind of stuff, at least in the family somewhere, mm-hmm. I would probably like turn it into a museum. Like I would yeah. actively like turn that into like, and, and sort of, you know, redo, like, the, where they held, like, slaves and stuff to make it, like, make it, redo it to make it accurate, but just, like, and like to, make sure it's not, order, yeah, in order to educate, in order to educate than... people of, like, this was my family's property, uh, I'm not a monster, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, I can, and, and that's, I think what I would probably do, because I think I started thinking about this because of, uh, there was, like, a thing on, like, Larry David, somehow there was like an interview where like they were like kept like people kept asking like to find out if their family oh yeah is this what did you see this on uh what's his name it's i don't Uh, know where i saw it uh british guy i think you know what i'm talking about though right yeah Yeah. i do but what's the name of the british guy i don't know that does uh late last week tonight oh john oliver john oliver i think it was a john oliver Oliver. yeah it was a john oliver thing that's yes it was a john oliver thing i fucking love john oliver i can't believe i forgot larry david found out that his family kept slaves yeah and that kind of, I think that's what got me thinking about it as if I had ever, and like, I know my family didn't, can guarantee. Um, 
Um, all of them immigrated here, like in the after, well after slavery was yeah, <laughs> abolished. Same with, well, my uh, family was in Romania until the uh, till like the, the early 1900s. So a lot of my family moved to. Depends on the side of the family we're talking about, I guess. I mean, maybe there was slavery in Romania. I don't think there was. I'm pretty sure there wasn't. Because they, well, they lived in the, Not, uh, well. they lived in Aust the Austro-Hungarian Empire, mm -hmm. but in Romania. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there was slavery in Austro-Hungary. There was in, like, Russia, like, in the Russian Empire. Serfdom was a Yeah, thing. serfdom, yeah. Um, definitely not. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't think. But, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, I, can, I, I can guarantee there was no slavery <laughs> in my family. But, uh, uh, I don't, unless they owned serfs when they lived in Russia, but I'm pretty sure they were as poor as the serfs, so I'm thinking no. <laughs> thinking it's safe to say there that the Helfrich family has never owned slaves. Um no. But it got me thinking about like, you know, if I had was in that position and learned that like and and, you know, had the property and all that stuff like I would do that because that's important. Like, I, yeah. I think and I mean, it's easy to say that knowing I don't have that history, I guess it's yeah. easy to say I would do that. Who knows? Maybe I would react. Maybe there'll be an update. <laughs> Family history From update. both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Our parents listen to this like, oh, <laughs> oh we forgot to. I mean, the problem is like. Honestly, on my gram, like my grandma's family, the Bradfields, will never, ever, ever know what we were past, like night, like before nineteen fifteen, because my uh, great grandfather was an orphan, yeah, and uh, he had no idea who who he was. Yeah, like they just found him wandering the streets of London after a bomb. So um, my <clears throat> grandpa, like the Helfricks, are a <laughs> small, sort of specific ethnic group called the Germans from Russia. So, yeah, it's a real thing. So during Catherine the Great's rule in the Russian Empire, she encouraged a lot of immigration from German-speaking countries to farm, like German farmers to come yeah. to Russia because she wanted to um, increase, like, like well, industrialize she, Russia. Yeah, well, really. she, also, she also was German. German. And, yes, I know that. But, yeah, like, that was part of it. Was she encouraged that because she wanted to increase, like, she wanted to industrialize Russia and generally, like, encouraged relocation of, like, Russian or German speakers to Russia. Mm-hmm. But then around the time of the revolution, a lot of them were like, oh, this is bad. We're going to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and so, or, well, World War One, really. <laughs> it's not a great place to be a German speaker. No. Um, <laughs> so they all were like, okay, bye. And like fucked off. And so the Helfricks landed originally in Texas. And then there's like a straight line from Texas to Saskatchewan. <laughs> and so my grandparents actually <clears throat> went to Oklahoma, like, Honestly, it's probably been a decade now. Fuck. But I think I was in high school. So yeah, it's been like the 10, it's been 10 years. But they went to, on this trip to Oklahoma and they actually like found my grandpa's like his parents, their original homestead mm -hmm. in Oklahoma before they oh. moved to Saskatchewan. Wow. He like has paperwork. Like. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then they moved to Saskatchewan. And so <clears throat> my grandpa grew up speaking German his whole life. He spoke German at home and he, they lived in a place in Saskatchewan called New Berlin, which obviously the name changed during World War II yeah. <laughs> to what, leader. What was it? Was it Kitchener used to be called Berlin? I think so. And then, and then they changed I mean, a lot of places change names. Well, I mean, cause... the whole royal family changed their name <laughs> after yeah. the First World War. A lot of places change names after World, like during World yeah. War II even. Because, yeah, this place, it's called Leader, Leader Saskatchewan now, but it used to be called New Berlin. And uh, 
one of like the things I regret most is that my grandpa purposely learned how to forget German. Like he purposely forgot mm. German because he never wanted to be associated with German speaking. For obvious reasons, I understand. But when I was in high school, I was like lamenting it so hard because I was taking German classes and it would have been the coolest thing ever. Um, but then my grandma's family, like my the help, my grandma's my grandpa's wife, her family, my Dutch family, immigrated to Canada in 1912. Yeah. And my grandma has a very extensive history of them. She actually did a big family history book. I'll show it to you um, sometime. Oh, I should show you. Yeah, my we have yeah. like my. Um... I'll show you the Denver one, but it's like she actually had a fe- the Calgary Public Library actually had a feature for her. They held like they, really. Yeah, she actually like had it there because she had it like published like or not, I don't know if it's officially published, but she had them like bound like really nicely, and she actually like I have a photo of her like at the library. She did a little like little pe- presentation because she did a lot of like work to find like. My great grandma had a lot of these photos, but she did a lot of legwork, like locating family abroad to like ask stories. Cause she, this book basically starts from like well before they immigrate to Canada and then ends with actually all of us. Nice. <laughs> so like yeah. I'm in the book. My granduncle. It's like uh, 700 pages. You could hit someone. You could beat someone with this book. Okay. It's huge. My granduncle Jack, he uh, did kind of, he, he did a kind of history of the, well, he didn't write it all down. Mm-hmm. But but he wrote down like like he didn't like write a huge like history book about it. But he wrote down like uh, our lineage in the yeah. Patrick family up like down to like the seventeen late seventeen hundreds yeah. when we were still known as Petrie. Mm-hmm. For those of you, uh, my my last name's Patrick. We changed, but we used to be called Petrie. But we changed our name, and the story is is because Petrie was too Russian, <laughs> so he changed the name to something more Romanian. But uh, yeah, you did. He, we, my dad has it. I should show, I should show this to you because it's actually quite detailed. It has where a lot of these people were born and where they died, like who they were married to, where they were born and where they died. But it's funny because, like, you see, um, the first uh, Patrick to em, uh, immigrate to Canada, his name was Nikoner. Hmm. Uh and it says like he he was born in Satumar. Uh, it says Romania, but then it says Austro-Hungary, yeah. which is interesting. Um, and, it's, and that's his place of birth. And then it's it's a place of de- um, place of death, <laughs> Crystal Hills, Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to I've been to that area. It's it's basically a field. There's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing. I mean, they're farm. Well, like, they're far, like it's. It's kind of like a Conrick, I guess, kind of community. The uh, official, like, homestead of my grandma's family when they landed in Canada is Baintree, Alberta. Mm. I don't yeah. know if you've had Ours, any idea of where Baintree is. Kind of, but it's, like... Well, it's always Rathmore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's but kind of closer to, like, it's, like, east and kind of... Yeah. It, there is nothing there, actually. Like, But, actually, the original homestead is still in the family. Nice. We, yeah. There's still a Patrick seed farm in Avonlea, Saskatchewan, which is not far from... Yes. Yeah. And and we're related to them somehow. <laughs> they're cut. Co- they're like dis- cousins or something. But nice. um, yeah, it's just fun to see. Like, born here, died in Crystal Hills. <laughs> it's just like nothing against Crystal Hills. It's beautiful. It's, it's just, just like weird. <laughs> it's <laughs> so just it's like, like kind of exotic, like European exotic to yeah. Canada. <laughs> yeah, to farm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like it's funny because like he was a soldier, mm-hmm. and then he came over and became a farmer. <laughs> I mean, we we have a long, long lineage of farmers yeah me too. like yeah i mean i mean see also they went we to had, russia because we they were farmers we had quite a few people who were uh who were soldiers in the in the <laughs> second world war all of my grand grand 
yeah, all of my grand uncles, uh, no, my great uncles were in the Second World War, all of them on Juno Beach, and they all survived. Um, uh, yeah, they all, they were, they were soldiers, but then they come, came back and were kind of farmers. And then those who didn't work on a farm, like when they grew up, uh, worked in the wheat pool. <laughs> my grandpa worked for the Saskatchewan wheat pool. Uh, and then he moved, he and his family, he, like the reason my dad ended up in Alberta is because he got a job with the Alberta wheat pool. Hmm. And that's how dad ended up here. And then my dad is, I think the first one to have not worked in, uh, agriculture in any way, shape or form. I'm pretty sure. Cause he, he worked, uh, for TELUS for a long time. He worked for IBM and then is now working at WestJet. Yeah, so the, the farm is still there. We don't own the farm anymore. But the Patricks used to own all of the farm ran, land around Avonlea, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's Avonlea's like, like saying that. People are just like, what? <laughs> but um, <clears throat> it was a big deal. So, yeah, log lineage of farmers. Both, is both your sides of your family? Yes. Ah. Uh... I think so. Um, not so like my mom's side of the family is definitely like more muddled. We don't know as much, but mm -hmm. like I, I know the people, the grandparents I've been talking about are my patrilineal grandparents because yeah. uh, my family history on the other side is a lot more convoluted. I'm not really sure. Uh, I know a lot like about that family history from like, like their ranch and everything. So um, we have a lot of that stuff, but like not their family history as much like my my grandma Olga, who you met, her parents emigrated from Czechoslovakia. Oh. Um, That's cool. Yeah. They're from Prague, but they were Slovak. And the only reason I know that is because my grandma has these letters that when I was a while ago, I don't know, a long time ago, my friend from the Czech Republic came to visit and we took him to Kamloops and he read these letters and he's like, they're actually in Slovak because he's like, I can read them, but not super well. <laughs> like. Mm understand i can understand it but it's not like perfect and he's yeah. like these are actually in slovak and so that's the only reason we know that because we know very little about their family okay. um i guess some relatives reached out to my mom's cousin recently and they kind of oh. came over and so they're we're learning a little more now but i don't really know a lot about that so i do actually have family from czechoslovakia nice uh well, but then yeah on my mom sorry my dad's side i both sides really were f farmers like in holland my grandma's family were not farmers really they owned various businesses mm -hmm. but when they moved over here, they, I think, farmed a bit. Uh, my grand, like my great great grandpa, yeah, great great grandpa, moved over to actually work on the railway. He worked on the railway oh, when wow. he first immigrated. And that's then I, cool. I think they farmed. I don't really know, but my grandpa's family were farmers. I mean, they were. That's why they went to Russia. Right. Well, so. my, on my mom's side, so my maternal great grandfather. Yeah. He was a. He was fought in Italy during. Farmers right up to my grandpa, by the way. He okay. farmed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, my, yeah, my great grandfather, uh, on my mom's side, he fought in World. he was a, he's a veteran. He was a veteran of the, of the second world war yep. as was his father, I believe. Yeah. His father came back from the first world war deaf because he was in the artillery and they did not have good artillery protection. Yeah. Uh, so then my, uh, great grandfather, Wendell, I love that name. Great name. Uh, he, uh, he, he, yeah, he went overseas like to war while his wife was preg like 
my great grandma was pregnant with my grandpa and so he was born while he was overseas and he hadn't he didn't meet his dad until he was five hmm. yeah he got letters from his from his dad which are yeah. really sweet letters yeah um and then he, yeah he didn't meet his dad until he was five which is a crazy mm-hmm. story um but uh, after he came back, after he's done the war, he was like discharged because he did his service. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried his hand at potato farming because that's what you do on Prince Edward Island. <laughs> um, realized he hated it and uh, joined the Air Force. So my grandpa grew up on like air bases, which is what he said was actually quite nice. Yeah. Like people knew, like he, he would go to school with all the other army brats, I guess. <laughs> they don't like being called that, understandably. Um but yeah, so it's interesting because like that's as much as I know on that side of the family that did farming. Yeah. Just a brief period they did farming, trying to grow potatoes, realized he hated it and had enjoyed the Air Force, <laughs> which I, yeah. Honestly, yeah, potato farming especially what, sucks. What, here's what's absolutely <laughs> awesome is like after they, they were stationed in Portage La Prairie for a bit, as my, like when my grandpa was a, in high school, I believe. Uh, and then my grandpa went into the trades and moved to Calgary. Um, and then my great grandpa and my great grandmother were in Germany for a bit. Yeah. Stationed in Germany. And then they came back and were in near Orangeville, Ontario at a base there. And while he was there, he was like getting up there in age. He became the caretaker of the golf course on the air, on, on the air force base. That was his job. He ran the golf course and his mom became, got her bread being the golf pro on that on that golf course i just i think that's awesome it's like he, <laughs> that's how he ended his career he um he ran the golf course on the air force base out near or- orangeville i believe it was near orangeville because uh but yeah and i'm like that's an awesome story i would have loved to have met him i have his medals my grandpa gave me his medals so I have my great grandfather's medals that he got during the Second World War, which is definitely my most prized possession I own. I only have one relative that I know of that actually fought in World War II. I never actually got to meet him. I remember going to his funeral. I never met him either. I remember he going, died long before I was so born. So this would have been my grandma, my grandma, like my dad's mom's mm-hmm. um, uncle. Your granduncle? Yes, uncle. I just texted my mom to ask me okay. to ask her what the <laughs> <laughs> as literally as you were talking, I was texting her like, um, which side of the family was he on again? Um, I remember going to his funeral. I never actually got to meet him, but yeah, I only had one family member who. Well, that that guy I mentioned earlier. Family Uncle, history taboo topics and other nonsense. That guy I mentioned earlier, Uncle Jack. He was yeah. in the army as well, but not during the Second World War. I know, but he was stationed in uh, the Sinai. At one point, like during the, uh, <clears throat> either during or after the Suez crisis. So he was there on like kind of that mission. But there's a picture of him uh, in Jerusalem where you can see behind him the Temple Mound. Yeah. Yeah. Is that in Jerusalem? Temple Mound with the Dome of the Rock. You can see the Dome of the Rock in the background. I would love to find that picture, but yeah, Uncle Jack's a really cool guy. He's got a really... Um, it's in Jerusalem. Okay, he's got a really firm uh, handshake, which I've 
like like really hard handshake it almost hurts mm-hmm. which is fine but I, my I dad wanted to specify where it was before i said anything i wanted to look because it's important to specify jerusalem yeah absolutely yeah 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 <laughs> but it is in the temple mount it is the temple mount right yeah okay temple temple mount temple mount apologies um but uh uh yeah he's a really firm uh, no not firm but like really hard handshake and that's my dad's like that is from the his army days <laughs> But what's interesting, another interesting thing about my Uncle Jack, um, I'll touch on this really briefly. He's actually a bestseller in Alberta. What? Really? Yeah. That's he cool. wrote a book called Once Upon an Old Man, which is about the building of a dam on the Old Man River. And it actually, I think it was nice. a bestseller in Alberta, which, I mean, That's cool. probably doesn't mean much to, might mean a lot to quite a few of our listeners, but not everybody. <laughs> I was just like, What? Where, what state's Alberta at? Um, but anyway, sorry Americans, but literally someone. Quick story: so when we were when I was with Cirque du Soleil touring with the, in the states, someone like asked us to roll down the window in our van, and he asked us what state's Alberta at. <laughs> I am not kidding. <laughs> and this is like okay, we are in the. This is where we are, but. Uh, um, and we're at two hours now. Holy shit! Like yeah. five minutes to two hours. Yeah, and, we've been talking uh, there's a, a football. There's a football game coming on. Uh, what do you think? We got 50 minutes. We gotta wrap this shit up. Um, taboo, awkward. Taboo an- topics, family histories, and other uh, nonsense. Uh, taboo, awkward, his- awkward ancestry, and other uh, nonsense. <laughs> yeah, taboo topics, family histories, and other nonsense. That's, well, just yeah, just taboo, awkward ancestry, and other nonsense. How's that? <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's that's all we had. We had nothing we were going to, like, we had not, no topic to talk about, like, when we came in, and we ended up going for two hours, so I think we did really well. I think yeah. we deserve a pat on the back. Yeah. Kevin says we deserve a pat on the back. I deserve the beer that I'm going to crack for this. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much. Um, I believe that there is a fund for the fa- uh, the victim the victims' families of the of the incident in a in iran uh i um so if there is i'm going to post a i'm going to post a link to it um yeah we'll post a link on we'll, our we'll, i'll post a link on, on our social media and in the uh description of this uh podcast episode. yeah of this episode so um obviously like yeah um we, we, well, we already went into that. But anyway, hope all of you guys are doing well. Hope all of you guys are safe. Um, we understand that a lot of people are scared right now, but uh, I'm about to quote the Bible now for some reason. <laughs> Be ye not afraid. Uh, truthfully, life will go on. Uh, keep listening to Panastoria. Learn from history. We'll be back um, probably in the next couple weeks. Yeah. I would say yeah, the next week or two. Yeah, sure. probably. Might actually be another other nonsense. We don't know because we talked about doing another nonsense at the end of January, but right. Um, Who knows? We'll find but out. But that one actually has a topic to it. Yeah, and Might. it's a lot more personal. Yeah, we can so. do an addendum episode. We'll see. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll be back soon, and um, yeah, pay attention to our social again. If you don't follow us on social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, at Pan Historia Podcast and, and at Pan Historia Pod on Twitter, I believe we're also we're also on Patreon. So if you love us and want to help support us, please consider we have to donating. feed Kevin. He's a hungry fucking dinosaur. Yeah, right? for his size, um, like Jesus. I mean, he eats a lot. So 
If you would like to support us, and, you know, again, we have to feed Kevin. He will go nuts. Uh, check us out on Patreon. There's some cool it's cool perks. We're working on more stuff. Uh, also going to hopefully get the blog up and running again. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a little bit dead in the water, yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. Kind of been a weird, like, a lot of things like we had to kind of like okay why do we need to prioritize yeah, and obviously happen. like other than personal stuff like stuff in our personal lives we had the, we were like prioritize the podcast yeah so hope you understand i know you all understand um, you guys have been super yeah i just want to shout out to all you guys you guys have been super fucking awesome and we love you all yeah i mean we're i honestly didn't think we'd be where we're at now when we started you know Lindsay keeps I, on sending me messages saying we're going up like 10 downloads every day so it's like super wait i mean that doesn't sound like much but it's exciting for us um yeah numbers are always weird in podcasting so like i generally view everything as positive unless we're literally going the other direction yeah for us like (laughs) being at where we are like we're past 4500 now if we uh not quite okay but we're we're getting there right We're, we're at 54 you uh, reverse the numbers there. Oh, yeah, 54. Yeah, yeah sorry. 5,400. I was like, like we're, we're well past 4,500. We're past 5,400. 5, <laughs> and uh, we're loving it. We love you all. Yeah. I'm rambling now, so I'm going to say good night to you all. Hope you're all safe. This is Jonah. And Lindsay. And Kevin. And Kevin is humping the microphone. He is pole dancing on my microphone. Yeah. Because that's how Kevin does. All right. Football time. Hope your team... I don't really have a team in this game. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying hope your... Like, if you're rooting for football, hope your team gets there, except for the Patriots, because they're already gone, and we hate the Patriots. <laughs> Thank Jonah, you, guys. Jonah doesn't, Jonah doesn't even watch football, and he hates the Patriots. I just... Uh, here's a good tip for all of you guys. Just uh, root for who your friends root for, unless it's the Patriots. But, unless it's the Patriots. All right. Love you all. Uh, have a good one. Hope you enjoyed this. And uh, this is Jonah. And Lindsay and Kevin. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.